Good morning, church. Um, my morning. wife is cackling at me already, so that's good. <laughs> um, you know, I'm really excited to be here. It's kind of weird not seeing your faces. And you know, Paul says in, I believe it's 2 Thessalonians, that he longed to see his brother and sisters face Amen. to face. And so I look forward to the day when we can do that uh, in this time of lots of bad news. And I've been kind of obsessive reading news, and I see how negative people are being. And so I wanted to share just a tiny bit of good news. Amen. Um, you know, the campus ministry, I want to lift them up. We've been having Zoom meetings online pretty much every yeah. single day and connecting over God's Word and praying together. Twice this last week, we went and uh, served at a place called Feed My People. It's a food bank. And that was really cool just to see everyone's heart and willingness to sacrifice sort of that uh, self-indulgent time that we could have had and uh, worship God. Amen. Amen. So that's been really encouraging. And I'm grateful that we have resources like Zoom. You know, in the the ancient days, we would have had to write letters, um, but not anymore. So amen. (laughs) Thank God. You know, if you have a Bible... You could open to John chapter 5, and just a little shout out if uh, my grandma and grandpa are here, maybe Come hold on, that old Norwegian grandpa. Bible that I love so much. <laughs> uh, but it's, if, you, if this is your first time joining us, welcome. Uh, I know this is a little different, but I hope that you can uh, gain something powerful from God's Word Amen. today. Um, so John chapter 5, starting in verse 1. All right, where do I need to point, Corey? Down, up. You don't actually you don't need to point. I don't need to point. Yeah, just hit the button. Oh yeah. Okay. So the title of today's sermon is "The Son of Man," and uh, what I want us to see today, we're going to read a significant chunk of scripture. What I want us to see in God's Word is that Jesus is has been given all authority, mm. and we can choose to either accept or reject His authority. And I pray that all of us would accept that authority. When we do that, when we submit ourselves to his authority, we can receive adoption into his family and the assurance that comes from being in his family. And we can have hope even in times like this. Amen. So let's read in John chapter 5. We're going to read uh, verse 1 through 15 here. It says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, as there was a crowd in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, 
and I am working. So the other day, I was reading this passage and I was wrestling with how it connects to what follows in John chapter 5. You know, there's a man lying there for 38 years. That's a long time to just lie by this pool. In the pool, people believed in that time that the pool had powers to heal them. And so he had this hope before him, but he could never quite reach it. And Jesus just happened to be there. And he happened to pick that man. You know, I imagine there was other people there as well, but Jesus just picked that man. He said, do you want to get well? He says, yes, of course, but nobody can put me in the pool. And Jesus says, get up, take up your bed and walk. And he gets up. This is a man who had been paralyzed for 38 Mm. years. He just stands up and starts walking around with his mat. But it happens to be a Saturday. And the Jewish leaders had created this tradition that you could not carry something on the Sabbath, especially from one room to another. They felt that that was a violation of God's command. Mm. And so they, they questioned the man, and the man just kind of deflects, right? Well, it was the guy who told me, he healed me, it's his fault, it's not my fault. And the Jews, of course, were like, okay, fair enough, let's go find that guy. And the man doesn't know who it is, but then Jesus finds him and tells him, you need to stop sinning, or something even worse than being paralyzed is going to happen to you. See, Jesus was concerned for his spiritual condition just as much as his physical condition. Amen. And that's a good reminder for us. But the reason I think that this passage is in here is not because there's John wanted to include another story, because there's many of them, about Jesus healing a sick man, but actually because it creates a conflict with the authorities of Jesus' day. Mm. It creates a conflict that Jesus is now going to prove to them why he has the authority Mm. to command this man to carry his mat on the Sabbath. Amen. Amen. So I want you guys to picture for just a moment, if we were all in this room, there's a great crowd, and, and let's say that the king of England, I know there, I think there's just a queen right now, the queen walks in, how we would react. You know, it, we probably would be interested, we would look at her, we might go up and shake her hand. But one thing we wouldn't do, most likely, is bow. And that's interesting because I watched a video of this little old lady, she's probably 87 years old, walking up to these English people, and you know what they did? They would bow. And that's just not something we do in our culture. Matter of fact, the English king is precisely the person that our culture rejected. Uh, And we found that it was actually strange to bow to people. You know, sometimes I I speak with people from Asia, and I'm talking to them, and when I greet them, they do a little bow. And I always feel uncomfortable, like, why are you bowing to me? I'm just a person. Right? But in those cultures... It's a sign of respect. And the, the more authority someone has, the deeper you bow. Mm. You know, but if we were to walk into a room and everybody bowed down, we'd feel uncomfortable. Or if somebody else walked in the room and everybody just hit the floor, we would feel really disturbed, I think, most mm-hmm. of us at least. Yeah. I would feel like, what's wrong with you people? It's just another person. And then I would think to myself, who does that guy think he is? Who does that guy think that he is that everyone should bow to him? He's just a person. And see, that's a cultural thing that we've been conditioned that bowing is not normal. That we're all equals. This is America, and we're all equals, and we all have the same rights, and therefore we should shake hands and not bow. And that's, a, that's, pretty, nor- that's pretty normal in America, but most of the world, bowing is actually a normal thing. Uh, and the reason I bring that up, I want you guys to keep that image fixed in your mind of how authority and the respect that goes towards it actually unsettles most Americans. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's an interesting phenomenon. Okay? So here Jesus is in this conflict with these leaders. And 
and he wants to give his defense. Basically, they actually ask that question. Okay, is this thing going to work? Where do I need to point? <laughs> Mercy. Can you, can you do it over there? Thanks. Okay, next slide, please. Okay, so this exact question, who does that guy think he is, is in the scriptures. Luke 5, verse 21, yeah. it says, who does this fellow think he is? And I love the phrasing, this fellow. <laughs> it's like, who do you think you are, right? It's a very old way of saying it. And that's what the Jewish leaders were saying about Jesus. And so Jesus is going to explain in the following verses who exactly he thinks that he is. Okay, let's pick it up in John chapter 5. Next slide, please. Uh, we'll get to that in a second, actually. In John chapter 5, verse 18, we're going to read a significant chunk here. He says, this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Verse 19, so in his defense, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so the Son gives life to anyone whom he wishes. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Okay, so Jesus here, in his defense, he doubles down on what he just said, which is what? That I am equal with God. Corey, can you go back to that last slide? This is a map, I'm subjecting you guys to a little torture here, of the Napoleonic Empire. Oh my gosh. Okay, the red border, that's all the lands that Napoleon ruled. And it's pretty impressive, right? We're looking at Spain, France, Germany, Austria, all Poland, all part of one nation. Now imagine how much respect a man who ruled all of that would demand when he walked into a room. You know, people were often awestruck. Oh, there he is. That's the guy. And Jesus, here Jesus steps onto the scene. And instead of the respect that is his due, people say, who does this fellow think that he is? Mm. Right? I've been watching all this news feeds, and people are obsessed with what the President of the United States is going to do about everything that's happening. And, you know, I understand why. Because when we're feeling anxious, the thing that we need is someone in authority to tell us it's going to be all right. Mm. We need someone who has greater control than we do to take 
charge. You know, think about a little kid who's feeling really anxious. What they don't need is for the parent to also feel anxious alongside them. They need the parent to say, it's going to be all right. Let me tell you what we're going to do. And people are looking to the government right now. And they're thinking about it in terms of the world. And they're thinking the government will fix this for us. And I'm not saying the government should do nothing and that they don't have a responsibility. But the reality is the government cannot fix this. It doesn't matter how clever they are or whatever they do, they can't eliminate disease. You know, they can't do that. They can fight against it. They can do what they can, but they can't do it. They don't have enough authority. And so I say that to say, imagine how you would feel if someone with even more power, say Napoleon, said, hey, I'm going to take care of this. You had a problem. You would feel pretty good. Okay, good. He's got a lot of resources. He's going to help me. And that's what we're seeing here is Jesus claiming a level of authority that is so great that no one else can even compare. You know, he claims the authority. So he claims a few different authorities. Can we go a couple slides down? He claims the authority elsewhere in the Gospels. If you look at the last verse here, Jesus says in verse 7 of Matthew 12, If only you had known the meaning of I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus claims for himself in John 5 and in Matthew 12 that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Now that is a bold claim in the eyes of a Jewish listener because mm-hmm. God is the Lord of the Sabbath. Next slide, please. And Jesus here claims that he has the authority to have life and to give life to whomever he wants. And he has the authority to judge the entire world. Why? Because he is the Son of Man. Amen. Okay, next slide, please. Now, I want to talk about what the Son of Man is, because Jesus is claiming something very specific. He's claiming something from the Old Testament, from the book of Daniel, chapter 7. He says, as I looked, this is Daniel, thrones were set in place. So imagine if we had ten thrones up here, and a bunch of kings sat down. That would be an interesting scene, right? And we have all these thrones. And it says, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. Here's this great king surrounded by other powerful rulers, and he sits down. His throne is flaming with fire. There's not a throne room in the world that can compare to the throne room that's being described. And he says, the court was seated. Okay, now the scene has changed a little bit. And the books were opened. Now this is a courtroom. And he has sat on his throne. And he's going to judge. He says, then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain. And its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The the beast represents the authorities of this world and the power that they have. And a horn is also a symbol of power and authority. And he says, this horn was boastful. And so when the court sat judgment, the beast was slain. The judgment was, you will die. (laughs) That's a harsh judgment, right? Strong. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority, but were allowed to live for a period of time. So here there's many of these beasts claiming authority over the earth. 
Now, there's many rulers on this earth. President of China, President of the United States, they all claim a measure of authority. And when they disuse this authority, when they're boastful, the Lord takes it away. And it says, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped mm -hmm. him. His dominion Man. is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be Amen. destroyed. So Jesus is claiming to be that one who enters the court and instead of being judged is given all authority. And all the nations worship him because of the authority and glory and power that he has. And I promise you this was not lost on the rabbis and the teachers who were listening to Jesus when mm. he said, I'm the son of man. Mm. He wasn't saying, I'm a person just like you. He was saying, no, I am the one who has been given all authority. Amen. He says, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son, so that all may honor the son, just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Next slide, please. This is from Psalm 2. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son, or he will be angry, and your way will lead to destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. And here again, I love how much the scriptures talk about this. Jesus says, from now on, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. So God is issuing a warning to all people. He says, if you don't accept my Son, whom I'm going to call the Son of Man, who is Lord of the Sabbath, Lord of life, and judge of all the earth, I will not accept you. Hmm. See, I couldn't imagine going to England and expecting the Queen of England to care about my well-being. Want to know why? Because I'm not English. Right. It is not her responsibility to care for me. It is her responsibility to provide for the people of England. It's the same in God's kingdom. Either you're a citizen, in which case God will look out for you, or you are not a citizen, and it is not God's responsibility. Does that mean he doesn't care about you? No. We're going to talk about that more later. God loves everyone deeply, mm -hmm. no matter what nation they're a citizen of. And he wants all people to be in his kingdom. But we have to choose for ourselves. Will mm. we accept his authority or will we reject it? Yep. Amen. And what we're seeing with the Jewish authorities is they're rejecting it. Who do you think you are, yep. buddy? What, what is this? Like, why? I don't have to accept your authority. I, God is my father and I accept his authority. And God's saying, no, if you don't honor my son, you do not honor me. Yep. That's right. Okay, verse 30. Jesus now continues. Next slide, please. Next one, sorry. He says he's going to give his defense. He's going to offer some witnesses that what he's saying is the truth. He says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, this is John the Baptist, 
and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and a shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony, but the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures, because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me, that you may have life. So Jesus offers up for their ears a number of witnesses. And the reality is, if you don't already believe in God, I don't know if any of these are that convincing. Jesus was speaking to people who believed in God. And he's saying, listen, you better understand that there are many witnesses for me. There's the Father. There's my own works. How can you accuse a man who heals someone of doing evil? Mm. Right? What's wrong with your heart that you see someone healing the sick and you go, that must be evil? (laughs) It's a very strange thought process, but that's what they were doing. Mm. Jesus says, my own works, my Father. You know, when Jesus was baptized, there was a voice from heaven that said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. He says, John the Baptist and the Scripture, they all bear witness about me. Amen. And people accepted the message of John the Baptist, so why not accept me? Right? That's the question that Jesus is posing. Yeah. But here in Psalm 137, Jesus also makes a reference to this Scripture. And it's very, very clever of Jesus. He's a brilliant person. He says, here I will make a horn, right? Remember, horns represent authority. I will make a horn grow for David and set up a lamp for my anointed one. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but his head will be adorned with a radiant crown. Jesus was speaking about John the Baptist, and you know what he says? He says, he was a burning and shining lamp. Jesus is referencing this passage. He was the lamp that pointed the way to the king. Right? And you could see it. So why don't you see me? Mm. Right? He's, he's, he's testing their hearts. And he's saying the reason is you don't believe the scriptures. You don't believe what they teach about me. Mm. Amen. So Jesus really knew his Bible and I love that. Mm. Next slide. <laughs> Next slide, please. Thanks, brother. So here's the four witnesses. John the Baptist. Jesus' life, the Father's voice, and the Scripture. Okay, next slide, please. So Jesus now really gets at the root of why they don't accept his authority. He says, I do not accept glory from human beings, but I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me. But if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe since you accept glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes from the only God. You know, I want you to look at this map again, because there was an interesting movement in Jesus' time, or in Napoleon's time, actually. See, Napoleon really wasn't a servant of God. He didn't come to serve God. That wasn't his thing. That's what Jesus did. And he was not God's king, who he had selected to rule the world. But there was actually Jews in Napoleon's time who believed 
that he was the Messiah. Mm, he was the one who would rule the world. And the reason was because he treated the Jews very favorably and he kept winning all his wars. And it's interesting because Napoleon came in his own name and they accepted him. Matter of fact, the rabbis wrote a prayer to protect and defend Napoleon. It's pretty interesting. They called him the good part because it's a play on Bonaparte, right? Uh, but they, they really loved this guy. And yet he wasn't even a Jew. Mm. Why? Because they felt that God was using him to establish his kingdom. Now, not all of them believed that, no doubt. But there certainly was a real thought in many people's hearts. And Napoleon's plans died with him. You know, but I want you to think about, returning to our analogy, right, about when a great king has your back, how you might feel. Napoleon was probably the most powerful man on earth at this time. And he had a lot of personal power. It wasn't like our president who has to work with Congress. Napoleon did whatever he wanted. Hey, do this, and they did it. Right, and so after the battle, I've got a little arrow there pointing to Napoleon's most famous victory called the Battle of Austerlitz. And it's on the map. You can't hardly see it probably, but the big red arrow points out where it was. And in that battle, Napoleon defeated pretty much every army in Europe at once. And they all surrendered after one battle. They said, all right, we're done. And his empire expanded immensely. And a few thousand Frenchmen were killed in that battle. And so Napoleon made a decision to honor those men by adopting their children, every single one of them. Now, he had a conversation with one of the young boys who was one of, his father had been killed. And Napoleon said, what do you want to do when you're older? And the little boy told him, and he said, but I can't do it because my father's dead, and he was very poor. And Napoleon said, don't think like that. Am I not your father also? That's actually pretty touching for me. I don't know about you guys. Here was Napoleon honoring this little boy and saying, I'll take care of you. Now, the mm -hmm. reality is it never happened because just a few years later, Napoleon was deposed from his throne. He no mm -hmm. longer had any authority. And so, but think about how you would feel if you were that little boy. Come on. I have no father. I have no one to take care of me. You know, many of us are feeling anxious right now with our current situation and everything that's going on, and we're looking to the authorities to help us. And so you can imagine how that little boy felt so inspired, encouraged, mm. hopeful. And it was nothing. Because even though Napoleon, I think he meant it, he couldn't do anything about it. But when we accept the authority of Jesus, one. next slide, please, we can be <clears throat> adopted into his kingdom. Next one, sorry. He says in John 1, but as many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God, mm, come on. even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of mm. God. See, God is wow. saying that in Christ, you Good. can be a son of the king. Amen. And what a, what a joy about it. and a hope and a blessing that that is. You know, Napoleon allowed those little boys to add his name to their name. It was written in the law, you can put my name as your name. Mm. Imagine having your name where you share the name of God. Imagine God saying, I want your last name to be my last name. Mm. You can be a part of my family. Mm. How much security you would feel knowing that someone who had far more authority, who had and has all authority, even over people like Napoleon, <clears throat> he says to you, all those hopes and dreams that you have, I am your father. Mm -hmm. 
and I will take care of you. Mm. This doesn't mean we won't face hardship. Right. We've faced many hardships in this life. Jesus promised that. Yep. But he says, take heart, for I have overcome the world. Amen. You know, being adopted into God's family because we've accepted his rule leads to great assurance. Mm. Say this next thought. It's beautiful. Romans 8. He says, he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. You know, in the ancient Roman world, what's happening right now would not be considered a pandemic by any means. They had a pandemic that killed as many as 100 million people. Hmm. And they don't have 7 billion people on the earth. There was only maybe 200 to 300 million people. Hmm. It killed almost everyone. And that was their reality. They faced these kinds of troubles in hmm. spades. And I'm not trying to minimize what we're going through, mm-hmm. but I want to say that God is familiar with these times. Mm. And God's people have long been acquainted with them. Mm. He says, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Not only was there the regular troubles of famine and persecution and nakedness and danger, there was also that the government was not on their side. They couldn't look to the government to save them. The government didn't care about Christians. They didn't like them very much most of the time, actually. But he says this, we face this, but no... In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved Amen. us. I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus Amen. our Lord. That's right. You know, he says, all the greatest powers, all the disease... Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Again, this doesn't mean we won't face troubles. That's right. But it means that we will not be separated from having that name, that name of God attached to us Mm. and the blessing that comes from that. Amen. Next slide, please. So when we have this assurance, because we've accepted Jesus Christ, we receive a calling. And that calling is to bring his kingdom everywhere that we go, to assist him in his work of reigning the earth. It says this in Matthew 24, verse 14. And this gospel, gospel means good news. This good news of my kingdom, of the kingdom, will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. God is promising that my kingdom and its message will be spread throughout the earth. But who who brings it where it needs to go? God through his people. God says, How can they hear unless someone is sent? And he's talking about his people. He's saying, I send you out to bring this message to the nations. You know, even in the things that we choose to do during this time, this is a time where people are asking questions. Where is God? Mm -hmm. Does he care? What is he doing? And we can bring the answer, God does care. And he wants you to be in his kingdom. We can share this Message on Facebook, we can share it. You know, obviously we want to be wise about the disease. I don't recommend door knocking right now. But we can share this message. And we can even go and serve the community. Yeah. You know, when, when the brothers and sisters in the campus went to the food bank, I noticed that most of the people there 
were probably over the age of 65. Mm. And I personally feel that that should not be. Come on. I feel that us young people should be the ones bringing the message of the kingdom, even through the way that we serve those in need. Amen. Jesus served right. this invalid who really wasn't a very good person. <laughs> He'd been there for 38 years and he tattled on Jesus. But Jesus, <laughs> but Jesus still loved him, took care of him, right? And so here's the message, you guys. Jesus has all authority. And if we accept his authority, we are adopted into his family. You know, there can be no acceptance without submission. I can't say Jesus right. is my Savior without saying Jesus is my Lord. That's right. He commands my life. And when we do that, we have the assurance that the love of God will never leave us. And all these hardships that we're facing, we will be taken care of in the way that God sees fit. You know, my wonderful wife, she's a brilliant person, pointed out the other day, that sometimes we read the scripture and we set our own parameters. This is what's good for me. Mm. Megan Zellman said that, not me. It's fine. You brought it to me. And, <laughs> and we are not the ones who set the parameter of what's good. But when we trust God's authority, we know that he knows what we need. And we can accept that. And when we accept that, we receive great assurance. And we Amen. can assist those who are in need. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our head for a prayer. And then I think Joel will have some announcements. Yep. All right. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to even preach your word uh, in this way. Mm -hmm. And I pray that your word would abound in the Amen. nations during this time. Amen. I pray that we could feel the blessed assurance and maybe even sing that song that Jesus is with <clears> us. <throat> and I pray that we would just be uh, filled up with your love during this time, that we would go out and spend more time in your word, in prayer, go on walks in nature and con contemplate your greatness mm -hmm. and your glory and feel the assurance that comes from being your son or your daughter. I pray for all those who have not accepted the authority mm. of your son, that they would, would joyfully Amen. accept it. That's right. Lord, we love you greatly. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.